0: Shalom and thank you for clicking to listen to one of our audio messages. At Tikvat David, we are building a Yeshua-centered Judaism for Israel and the nations. We hope that this message will encourage, inform, and inspire you to follow Yeshua and to walk in the pathways of Torah. Enjoy. Well, today we are going to cover Philippians 3 verses 4 through 8. And as I noted last time, that this is one of the most important Pauline text when it comes to the role of Jewish identity as followers of Yeshua. Uh, This text has provided plenty of fuel for the prevailing viewpoint that Paul was basically advancing a law-free gospel and that his Jewish identity no longer mattered to him anymore. So this is a big text. As our entire movement uh, within Messianic Judaism. And certainly uh, our synagogue at Tikvat David is built upon the idea that Jewish stuff does still matter uh, for both Jews and Gentiles who are in Yeshua. So it's very important that we consider this text carefully. So I'm going to read it and then we can have some discussion. Paul says in Philippians 3 4 through 8, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more in order that I may gain Christ. So I'm curious, you know, as you're hearing those words, uh, the you know, Philippians three four through eight, um, you know, what ways you've heard this talk, this uh, this text uh, taught before that uh, perhaps you agree with, and maybe some things you've heard and studied and been taught that you don't agree with. Well, let me uh, just share with you my my take on what's happening with these verses. Uh, clearly. Uh, in verses four through six, Paul communicates a pretty impressive list of his Jewish credentials. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's certainly great reason why he's taking three verses or three lines in his letter to state his Jewish credentials. But I think he's doing this uh, not to stack his resume points against supposedly uh, Jewish opponents. Uh, that's how Paul's move here. Uh, is typically understood. Paul is supposedly, according to the I would say the majority uh, viewpoint, he's supposedly demonstrating that he can stand toe to toe or even higher than other Jewish teachers that are trying to influence the Philippians towards the path of proselyte conversion. Um, and, but remember, I've been making the case throughout this series that Paul is actually not responding to Jewish opponents in this letter, who are advocating that outcome. Rather, I think Paul is responding to pagan opponents, and the lure for the Philippian disciples is to return to their native pagan way of life. So this raises the question even higher. Why then is Paul listing his Jewish credentials here if he's not competing, if you will, with another Jewish teachers or concerned about influence from uh, from other Jewish groups. Well, I think Paul gives a, a bit of his autobiography at this point in the letter because he wants the Philippians to know that he understands uh, in the best way that he can, he understands what it's like to have advantages, credentials, benefits at his disposal. In other words, Paul is In in, in the strongest language and in the most vivid way, he personally can do it. He is communicating that he knows what it's like to have status in a community. But differently, Paul could be living the dream. He could be living the dream as a high-status Jew in the Jewish community. And so I think what he's doing by listing his credentials here, he's relating to the fact that he understands the opportunities that the Philippians have to gain or return to a status and benefits that they previously enjoyed before they joined this Yeshua-centered Judaism subgroup. And I think he's responding to the fact that they're losing their benefits, and they are concerned about that, and they are thinking about departing from Yeshua. Now, we shouldn't lose sight also of, Uh, as we're thinking about Paul's list of uh, credentials here. We shouldn't lose sight of how he communicates his status here in Philippians 3 in relation to what he shared about Yeshua's status in chapter 2. Remember back in chapter 2 that Paul emphasized the divine status of Yeshua, namely that he had equality with God, uh, yet he emptied himself, and, and Paul unpacks that further back in Philippians 2. So Paul is making it clear through the example of Yeshua previously and now his own example and his own list of credentials that, look, he's in touch. He's in touch with with the desire on the ground that the Philippians are facing. You know, human beings, all of us, you know, then and now naturally want and need to enjoy status, benefits, and access to resources. And here in verses four through six, Paul is saying that he gets that and that he has stood in their shoes, maybe even more so. So he gets what it means to have status and even to, to 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 let go of that status. But in verses seven and eight, Paul is going to make a walloping statement. Really, verses four through six. There's nothing controversial. He's just listing his credentials, his autobiography a little bit, and you know what wh- who he is. But in verses seven and eight, he is going to shock the Philippians into considering his larger point and desired outcome for them. So let's read verses seven and eight. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So that's that's a shocking, almost unbelievable, it's almost unbelievable language. I mean, how, how can Paul say such things about himself? And how can he say such things about literally all things to use his language? Does he really count all things as rubbish? So what's Paul saying, Hunter? You know, what's he saying here? Uh, most understand him to be denouncing Jewish identity or at best declaring it obsolete. So we have to really ask the question, what move is he making here? What response is he hoping to get out of his audience? Okay, so I'll try to answer some of my own questions here. First, I don't think that Paul's statement in verses 7 through 8 is in any way denigrating the Jewish identity markers that he listed in verses 4 through 6. Rather, Paul's making a rhetorical point about the greatness of Yeshua, and that point depends on his list in verses 4 through 6, having significant value. Commenting on this text, Chris Zokali says, quote, The rhetorical strength of the argument in Philippians 3 necessarily rests upon an ordinarily high value placed upon Jewish identity, which would be shared by both Paul and his audience. It would certainly not make much sense for Paul to demonstrate that knowing Christ is superior to something that is already known to be intrinsically deficient, end of quote. I think that's a great point from Chris Colley. So in other words, Paul has a high view of the value of Jewish identity, but his point is in verses seven and eight is that knowing Christ surpasses even that highly valuable thing, way surpasses it. Sadly, the commentary tradition on this text here in philippians 3 paints a different picture john macarthur's comments on this text are representative of how christians have understood paul's uh, words here historically macarthur says all paul's jewish religious credentials that he thought were in his prophet column were actually worthless and damning now that may be and it is a common way of reading paul but it's problematic we know from this text and from many other Pauline texts that both Jewish and Gentile identity matter tremendously to Paul. Paul's rule in 1 Corinthians 7, 17 through 20 directs both Jews and Gentiles to remain in that condition in which they were called with context of, again, being Jews and Gentiles. In Romans 3, 1, Paul asks, what value is there in circumcision? In other words, what value is there in Jewish identity? And he answers his question right there in the text in Romans 3, and he says, Much in every way. So we know from a multitude of texts that certain prior social identities, uh, particularly Jewish and Gentile identity, not pagan identity, but Jewish and Gentile identities, male and female identities, these things matter to Paul. Note also in verses seven and eight that Paul uh, counts not just Jewish identity, but he says he counts everything as loss compared to Christ and in this rhetorical uh, flourish all things he says are counted as rubbish not just jewish things all things in light of christ so did paul view sunsets as rubbish did paul view the birth of a child as rubbish did paul view a nice uh, you know meal with his friends uh, as rubbish uh, on and on we could go paul didn't literally view all things or everything as loss or rubbish or crap as the word, you know, rubbish is uh, the Greek word behind the word rubbish is, is can, can be translated as well. And he certainly didn't count his Jewish credentials in this way. My sense of Paul's meaning in these verses is is something like this. And again, these are my words, but they're just, I'm trying to get a sense of of really what Paul's saying using some modern language and, and framing as well. I think Paul is saying something like this. Look, the good life and benefits I could have enjoyed because of my Jewish status have effectively been like a loss to me because I've set aside the opportunity to enjoy that good life and those benefits for the sake of serving Christ. But that sacrifice is 100% worth it, and the sacrifices of any other good thing in this life would be worth it in order that I may faithfully serve Christ. Every good thing pales in comparison to knowing and serving Christ. So in my statement there, uh, again, just kind of getting the sense of things with what Paul is saying here, good things are still good things. But my rhetoric and Paul's rhetoric uh, involves comparison in order to emphasize a larger point. And so I think it's important to think, what what is that larger point And what kind of impact would Paul's point here, rightly understood, have on the Philippians? Well, I think Paul's point uh, regarding the surpassing, his point is the surpassing greatness of knowing and being in Yeshua. That's the point. But I think what he is, that's that's the larger point. But I think in making that point, Paul is wanting his audience, the Philippian disciples, to think twice about departing from Yeshua and returning to the pagan side of things. In other words, I think Paul is unleashing massive rhetorical artillery here to inspire the Philippians to stay on the circumcision side or the Jewish side of this divide, as opposed to returning to their former pagan way of life. I think he's using over-the-top hyperbolic language to drive home a point and get the response he's hoping for. He wants the Philippians to see that suffering for Messiah is worth whatever. And Paul really means whatever the cost. You know, friends, following Yeshua is wonderful, but it is not always easy. Often it will present us with decisions that that deny us benefits, pleasures, and opportunities. They may provide us with a legitimate gain in this world. And and this can be a, a painful thing to let go of. But if we go the way of Yeshua, we are promised that the reward will be worth it. And nobody made this point better than Yeshua himself, who said in Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's Matthew 16, 24 through 26. So may Hashem help us in our time, in whatever ways are needed, to deny ourselves for the sake of the Master. We are promised that whatever we lose for His sake will lead to greater riches. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this audio message from Tikvat David Messianic Synagogue. We would love to get to meet you in person sometime at the synagogue, so come join us for Shabbat or one of the holidays. Also, you can join us in building Messianic Judaism whether you live in the Atlanta area or far away by financially contributing to our synagogue. You can learn about the options for giving under the Donate tab at tikvotdavid.org. At tikvotdavid.org we would love to have you stand with us as we are building a Yeshua-centered Judaism for Israel and the nations. Shalom.